Well, what's good, EMCC? You guys doing good? Good? Online people hanging in there? Good, good, good. Hey, um, it is always, always, always a pleasure to be with you guys, whether it's online, whether it's in person. Uh, we believe that God is doing some amazing things. We haven't a chance to meet yet. My name is Trent. I have the amazing privilege of being a lead pastor here at MCC. If you're checking us out online, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of things going on online right now, and for some reason, you ended up here, and we think that was on purpose. Hopefully, if it was an accident, that's still good. God works a lot of times through accidents. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. You can fill out uh, that uh, little first-time guest link right there. We'd love to be able to connect with you, get you plugged in, whether or not you're in McDonough or in Zimbabwe. We'd love to have a chance to get to know you, get to meet you, get to love you a little bit more than we do right now. Hey. If you are watching online, like, comment, share. We want this to be able to go out. Um, we are going to have an awesome time today being able to dive into God's Word, hear a story. Uh, we're in a series called Due to Unforeseen Circumstances. And as you know, that has been like the story of our life. Uh, but God is still good. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. He works through these things. and He does good through these things. And um, at the same time that we have a God who loves us, cares for us, and is taking care of us, uh, we have an active enemy who, who is at work, and he, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy all the good things that I believe God has for you, for me, and for us. And so that's why we lean in and we gather together, because we know uh, that we are stronger and we are better when we are together, whether that's in person or online. We're doing that today. I'm going to read our passage of Scripture today. Uh, before I do, I'll tell you the title of today's message. Today's message is, Due to Unforeseen Circumstances, I Am All Wet. All right? If you got a Bible... Go to Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to be. Acts chapter 8. Chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, where we're going to begin today as we get ready to dive into God's Word together. If you're there, type amen or say amen. Okay, you're not there yet. They're not, they're not there. You're, on, you're there on person. You pulled up the tab. You got on the, your app because you're tech savvy. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Let's dive in. I'm going to read the story, then we're going to go back and uh, dive into it, pick it apart, and see what God has for us in it. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And the eunuch was reading the past, this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And they traveled along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. 
Let's pray and let's dive into this fun passage. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. As we gather around it today, God, I pray that this story that God maybe seems like, hey, I don't really know what's going on here. I pray that it meets us where we are, that as we uncover your word, that it meets us where we're at, but doesn't leave us where we're at. Jesus, let your gospel change us. Amen. All right. So first of all, main characters in this story. We've got a guy named Philip, and we've got an unnamed guy who is called an Ethiopian eunuch, okay? We're going to go back through this passage. We're going to walk through this hand in hand together, and we're going to find out what God has for us. Let's start with verse 26, all right? So the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. First of all, we got to figure out who in the world is Philip, okay? Now, if you've kind of read through your Bible and you've gone to Sunday school, maybe you've heard of this guy, Philip, who's one of the apostles, like the 12 apostles, 12 disciples of Jesus. That Philip is not this Philip totally different guy okay so let me break some of this down for you so what has happened is jesus has came he has lived his life they put jesus on a cross and from there he came down off the cross they put him in an empty tomb three days later he rose again everybody was psyched except the people who tried to kill him and satan but everybody else was psyched because he rose again and when somebody rises again that changes everything amen amen like like show me the guy who can die and rise again i'm following that guy So that's the story here. What happens, though, is Jesus shows back up and appears to these guys. But then he tells them, I have got to go to my Father's kingdom. I've got to go back to where I am from. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But don't worry. Don't freak out. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be inside of you. And trust me, the Spirit inside of you will be better than me being right beside you. Because I can be everywhere that you are at the same time. I'm not just one person anymore. I'm inside of every person who asks me to be their Lord and Savior. And so what happens is the early church begins to explode. These people begin to realize who Jesus is, and things are happening, and and more and more people are coming to put their faith in Jesus. There's this one day where 3,000 people, they woke up that morning, they had their cup of coffee, and they had no idea that later on that afternoon, they were going to be getting baptized. And the church begins to explode, and one of the people who is risen up as a leader as this church is exploding is this guy named philip philip rises up not in a traditional way he didn't have a social media platform he didn't buy followers what philip did is philip began to serve philip showed up and he was one of the original deacons in the early church and as he comes onto the scene he begins to serve and he's helping people and he's caring for people and what god does is god looks at someone like philip and like me and like you if we tend to have it who has a humble heart and then he uses their humility and their willingness to take a lower place on the totem pole and he begins to raise and raise and raise philip's influence if we backed up a little bit more earlier into chapter 8, what we see is God, the Holy Spirit, actually inside of, of Philip. Jesus' spirit inside of Philip leads him to this place called Samaria. Now, this is a place that a good Jewish boy like Philip would dare not go. But the Holy Spirit, from the get-go, was all about breaking down racial and societal lines. It breaks those down. So it's not about Jews. It's not about Gentiles. It's about everybody. And Philip, I want you to go to this body of people And tell them the good news about Jesus. So Philip does. He goes and he goes to Samaria. And he is just crushing it in Samaria. I mean doing an amazing job in Samaria. Telling all the people about Jesus. Who had no recollection of who Jesus was. He begins to preach to them. And and people and multitudes and multitudes. Are coming to put their faith in Jesus. Getting baptized. And then Philip gets a new message. 
just as Philip was getting ready to fall in love with the crowd, he loved showing up and having a big full room full of people. The Holy Spirit says, Philip, I need you to go out into the desert. I need you to go take that desert road into Gaza. Some of you may have felt like that. You feel like you're doing everything that God wants you to do. And then God tells you something that makes absolutely no sense. Anybody ever been there? Like You're like, what? No. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. God, I'm, 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 you see what I'm doing here? Like, I'm, I'm, like this, all these people, even a sorcerer, like this magician guy now, like all these people. He still says, Philip, go. He says, go south. Go from preaching to masses to going into the desert. And we see, as we get a little bit deeper in here, that God has a plan, a divine plan. And this is why he tells him to go. He says, go on the road. Now, verse 27. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So we got Philip, all right? Everybody tracking with who Philip is, right? Yes, good, okay. Now, a little bit more fun to explain is our friend the Ethiopian eunuch. First of all, we'll start with Ethiopian. Most of the people who were around Jesus and living in that area of Caesarea and Jerusalem, almost all of these people would have had a a Middle Eastern look to them. I know sometimes when we see pictures of Jesus, we have uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus, like L'Oreal, like blown-out hair Jesus, but Jesus would have looked less like Fabio, and he would actually look more like Bin Laden. That's the reality of who Jesus actually was. And then you have an Ethiopian, and Ethiopia is in Africa. And if you were to do the scale, and this is how they did it, measured it in their society, if you were to take the darkest-skinned people and you were going to measure that out to the lightest and fairest-skinned people, the Ethiopians would have been the beginning of the measuring stick as far as people who were dark-skinned. So as he shows up in this society, as he goes to this temple to worship, this Ethiopian would have stood out because he looked different. He was a minority where he was at. Because he was not in Ethiopia. Now, let's talk about what it means to be a eunuch. Because the kids aren't in the room anymore. In that day and age, they operate on a very patriarchal society. And within these patriarchal societies, there was also kings and queens. And and you would have these different kingdoms. And, and, And obviously here in Ethiopia, there was a king and a queen. And oftentimes what they would do in order to be able to make sure there were enough servants within the king's castle and within the king's kingdom to be able to do the things that they needed to do, they would take young men, prepubescent men, and they would castrate them so that they would not be a threat to the women or the king's throne, that the king wouldn't have to worry about him trying to sneak into a princess's room, that the king wouldn't have to worry about him trying to undermine his authority and his leadership. And so they would take these young men oftentimes and castrate them, emasculate them. And as they would grow up, that's why I oftentimes did it before puberty, they would grow up and it would be noticeable that this man had something different going on from the outside. Because there was no testosterone flowing through the body, there would obviously not be, you know, big hairy arms and hairy legs, and and there's no facial hair, and some muscle definition would have likely not been there because the testosterone that would have been needed to go through puberty was not available because of what had been done to his body. 
So these men existed in this strange middle ground between most men around them not looking at them as a true man and most women around them not looking at them as a woman, even though they were asked and kind of used to do the things that a a woman would do. And so we see this man who I believe has risen up and grown up in this household of Candace. I believe he has been there for a long time because he has risen to the place where he's essentially the CFO of the whole empire of this woman, this queen. He's in charge of her money. And so he's going on this trip to Jerusalem. It says he, he was going to Jerusalem to worship. Jerusalem was where the temple was at. And so he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to the temple to worship. Now, I know in our minds, as people in 2020 who, who go to church or watch church online, when we think worship, we think, okay, that's, you know, they're listening to Hillsong or, you know, some worship song, and there's a guy, and he's leading, and when I go to worship, I like put one hand up in the air. If I'm feeling really feeling, I put two hands up in the air, and I maybe give the pastor a good mm-hmm or an amen if I'm really feeling what he's saying. I might clap, but I don't know. Don't get too carried away. Um, we think, like, that's like he went to worship. But what this Ethiopian was going to do was not really that. If I had to guess, this was likely something that this Ethiopian was going to do to, to try to search after something, something of a higher power. This, this man would have not necessarily been like this devout, converted Ethiopian who was going to worship Yahweh, the, the Jews' God. This was likely someone who was trying to make sure he had all of his God boxes checked to say, well, I'll, you know, if once a year I got to go down to Jerusalem and check that box off, and then next year I'll go down to this place over here and worship Baal a little bit, and I'll do this. This is likely what was going on. He likely was a polytheistic individual, not a monotheistic, I believe in God, he is the one true God. I don't know, again, I'm speculating here, but likely that was the case. Now, as he goes to the temple, we talked about this a little bit, the temple is a whole different ballgame than us. Like when you came inside today, if you're inside right now, when you got inside, you were inside. And you were no differently inside than anybody else. But if you went to the temple, there was a special place for what they regarded as the most special person, which was a Jewish male. And that was where you really could get in and worship. And that was the inner courts. Then there were these outer courts where if you were a Jewish female, well, you could make it there. But dare you not go into where a Jewish male is allowed to go. Now, after that, you had a place where you could go if you were a Samaritan, if you were an outsider. Someone who was not a Jewish person, but maybe still believed in God. And then, even further out, you had a place that was specifically designed for you if you were a eunuch. Now imagine if you go to this and you are that eunuch, what this means, if there's a specific place designated for you, you know what you cannot do? You can't blend in. Like one of the cool things about being able to come to a church or even walk online, you can, you can blend in. Nobody stands out. There's not like we have a special section or a special Facebook group. Hey, if you're um, an African-American person who kind of walks with a limp and, you know, you, you didn't pass math in third grade, there's, you know, you, this is where you sit. Like, we don't have that. Everybody can come in and do what they want. But as this man goes to worship, everybody sees him. His skin color is not like theirs. He doesn't have the facial hair and the build that a man should have. And he stands in this weird middle ground between, is that a man, is that a woman? Who knows? So I want you to take a second and quit looking at him, and I want you to take a second and try to feel what it's like to be him. 
Someone who feels like an outcast. Someone who doesn't feel like they fit in in this place where you're actually supposed to be able to worship this God who supposedly loves all people and we're all his children. But here you are in this place and, and because of who you are and what actually has been done to you. Or again, reminder, this man didn't choose what happened. This was forced upon him. He was manipulated. He was taken advantage of. He was molested. He's coming to try to find something. I don't know where you're at and what's going on in your life or, or where you're at as you're watching this. But I believe in this season, as everything has been you know, splitting apart and being flipped over in our society, there are more and more people like this man who are looking and desperate for something. Like, I, I, maybe there's a God out there. I want to know. If there is, I want to know. Him. I'm, I'm curious. And my hope is that we as God's church now, as a living temple of the holy God, we wouldn't let ha- what happened to him happen to anybody else who walks either through our doors or joins us online. That we would say this is a place where anybody and everybody can come in and be able to have an encounter with Christ. And that's our hope. And so here's what you need to know. This guy comes in. He goes to worship. And then he leaves. Verse 28. It says, on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Let's stop right there. Okay, first of all, it's not a book like this. Okay, in that day and age, if you wanted to get some Bible, you couldn't just go buy this big collection that had 66 books in it. You would have to buy one at a time a big scroll. And what scribes would have to do is they would have to test what the scribes or people that hated Jesus. Uh, they would take every word for word and they would hand write every word from the scroll, this monotonous, tedious task. And because of that, a scroll, especially one like Isaiah, that has over 25 different chapters in it. That type of scroll would have been very, very expensive. So again, it speaks to this man's wealth. So he, leaves, he goes to the temple, and obviously he, he has a really, I would imagine he has a really hard time connecting with God in a place like that where he stands out as so much of an outsider. And so what he can't find at the temple, I believe he's hoping to find through Scripture. He was reading the book of Isaiah. It says he bought a scroll, he's reading it. What we come to find out is he's reading in Isaiah 53. This is fascinating scripture. I want to read it to you. This is what this Ethiopian, as he's riding in this car, bumpy road, after he's getting, uh, going home from what I believe was probably not the greatest experience at a church. Anybody ever have a bad experience at church? Yeah, hopefully it wasn't this one. Um, but we've all been there, where we go in and we come out and we're like, why did I waste an hour? This is, what happened there? I'll never get that hour of my life back. I believe he felt like that. I believe he was searching. And I love what he found when he was searched. Isaiah 53. This is what he was reading. Verse 2. This is a passage that is actually prophesying and foretelling Jesus. This is about the suffering servant that Jesus was. And this is what he's reading. It says, he grew up before him. And the he there is actually talking about Jesus. We're going to come to find out that the Ethiopian didn't know that, but it's going to come to know that. He grew up before him like a tender shoot. Like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one whom men hid their faces from. He was despised and he, we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. But we, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and 
the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now again, remember the history and the story of this Ethiopian reading this. I believe God in his divine providence led him to purchase the scroll of Isaiah, allowed him to flip and turn to the right spot. Like, again, I always tell people, like, don't do the whole thing where you just flip. And, but, like, here's the deal. Like, get your Bible open. I don't care if that's even what you do. Like, God will meet you there. He will speak to you there. Whatever you got to do, he'll do that. So he comes to Isaiah 53. And, again, I don't believe he fully understands what's being said right here, but I believe he can relate to what he's reading about. I believe he, can, he, he sees this and he goes, hey, I, I, I don't have a place either. Whoever this is talking about, I like them. I don't have a home. I don't have my own family. I felt afflicted and oppressed. I felt like a lamb who was led to slaughter because when I was a young person, I was led and had parts of me slaughtered. I believe what he couldn't find in the temple, he is beginning to find in Scripture. And God who is a God who longs to be found, who longs to be discovered, who doesn't try to keep himself hidden from it, but for those who would search and seek, he reveals himself. He uses this man Philip to do that. Verse 30 and 31. It says, Philip ran to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked him this question. He says, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, and how can I, the Ethiopian said, unless someone explains it to me? And so guess what? He invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, again, I want you to put yourself a little bit in the scene here. So God tells Philip, hey, I, like, I know you're doing great things here in Samaria. I know that sounds good. It's awesome. You're doing great. You're converting all sorts of people. I need you to get on a desert road. I need you to go out there. There's something I need you to do. I'm not going to tell you all what it is, but I need you to go out there. And I just need you to be obedient, which, man, I love that. Here's the deal. God has a whole lot easier time steering a moving car than one that is parked. And so many of us, we go, like, we just park. We got an emergency brake pulled. We're sitting in parking. Like, God, will you just lead me? Father, like, I love you, God. Just, just lead me where you want me to go. And I feel like God sometimes, like, put the key in the ignition and, like, just start going. Start following. Like, I've given you enough for you to be able to turn the car on and at least put it in neutral, okay? It's a whole lot easier for him to steer a car that's moving than one that is parked. And that's what we see Philip doing. Philip is moving, and as he is moving, God is revealing. He wants to do the same in our life, but we need to move. And he says, go, look, go, there's a guy right here. I need you to go talk to him. I need you to speak with him. And Philip, he doesn't start out by going, knocking on the window. As you may have heard, like, I'm Philip. Uh, just got through crushing it in Samaria. I got a lot of people saved in Samaria. And I heard you were reading some scripture. I'm kind of the guy when it comes to scripture. Um, can I hop up in here and tell you what's going on? Like, he doesn't start there. He doesn't start with his credentials. He doesn't start with what he knows. He doesn't show him his Sunday school attendance. He just asks him a simple question. Hey, hey do you understand what you're reading? Which, man, that's, if you want to, like, evangelism 101. Open a Bible up to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Highlight something. Slide it across the table. Say, read that. And then say, what do you think? It's not as hard as we make it. It's a conversation. Hey, do you understand this? Let's, have, let's talk. That's what, that's what Philip does here in this moment. He says, hey, let, let's, let's talk. 
And because I believe he takes that approach, what happens is this Ethiopian man says, hop on in. <laughs> like, 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 let's talk about this. I, I, and I believe that's happening because this Ethiopian reads Isaiah 53 and something inside of his heart goes, man, I, I don't, if this is the prophet or this is the nation of Israel or if this is something else, I, I want to know what this is talking about because, I, you know, there's a lot of things I've heard about God and Yahweh and all these other types of things from these Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes. And I've heard, I've heard all these things from religious people, but I want to know the God behind the religion. And he finally meets a guy who says, hey, do you understand that? I want to help you understand that. In verse 32, it says the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading, which was Isaiah 53. Specifically, we know that he was reading 7 and 8. He's reading the whole chapter, though. It says he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is a silence. So he did not open his mouth. In the humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Again, I believe he was relating to the scripture, but he was not understanding it. And then verse 34, we have a great question. A question that I pray more and more people who find their way into our doors begin to ask. He asks, tell us, was a prophet talking about himself? So again, Isaiah is a prophet. So the Enoch, is the, or the, he's, he's reading this. The Ethiopian is reading this. He says, okay, help me understand. There's a prophet writing this, but was the prophet talking about himself or is the prophet talking about someone else? And in verse 35, it says, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. If you're going to underline, you're going to write some stuff in your Bible. The two, the two words of today's message that I want you to understand, not miss, someone else. Someone else. That's it. That, that's the question that I believe is on the heart of people who don't know Jesus. And it's the heart on us, even those of us who do know Jesus, when we go through pain and we go through struggles and we go through hard times and frustrating things that happen in this earth, we find ourselves asking that question. Is this someone else? Is there someone else? Am I the only one who feels what I feel? I, I wish there was someone else who I could talk to. I wish there was someone else who understood what it was like to be rejected. I believe that this Ethiopian... He's reading this, and there's something inside of him going, is there someone else like me who knows what it's like to be manipulated and taken advantage of? There's someone else like me who knows what it's like just to not really fit in anywhere, to kind of be a little bit this and a little bit this, but not really be anything, any all the way. He's saying, is there someone else? And friend, what I want you to know is that Jesus is that someone else. For you in those moments of your life where you have felt like, man, I wish someone else felt like me. There is someone else who has felt like you, and his name is Jesus. There is someone else who understands exactly what it's like to be someone like you. He is the someone else. And Philip begins from there. This, this curious heart that I believe the Holy Spirit is working on. He starts with that passage, and he begins to explain the gospel, the whole message of Jesus to this Ethiopian man. Now, again, I wish we had fully recorded the whole sermon from Philip to this Ethiopian. We don't. But if I had to use my imagination, I would believe that Philip did what many great preachers do, and he met him where he was, talked about things that he could relate to, and then began to point him towards the cross. And I think he would have done this. I think he would have said, listen, Mr. Ethiopian, you're a eunuch. You're used to this. You live in the castle, right? You've seen the throne. You understand how things work in a kingdom, and, and you know that the person who sits on the throne is a person who's in charge, right? I believe he would have then said, 
hey, as you've traveled up and down these roads and you've gone to Jerusalem, you've probably seen a crucifix on the side of the road. You've, you may have even, while you were in Jerusalem, recently heard this story about a man named Jesus who went to this hill called Golgotha and they, they strung him up on a cross and, and that is where he died. So, so you're, you're familiar that there is a thing called a throne and there's a thing called a cross. And then from there, I believe he would have said what I'm saying to you, that within every human heart, Every single person, whether or not you believe or do not believe, within every human heart, there is both a throne and a cross. And you are on one or the other. And Jesus is on one or the other. And friend, if you are on the throne of your heart, what that means is Jesus is still on the cross. The benefit that you could receive from belief and faith in his resurrection power that he rose from the day grave to give you new life, to give you a way, to give you a place in heaven. You have not accepted that because your butt is still glued to your throne. You like to be king. You like to call the shots. You like to have it your way. You like to do it how you think it should be done. And if you're on the throne of their heart, that will be the only thing that you ever rule over and you only have authority over. And there will come a day where you will hop off of that throne and your knee will bow and it will confess to the Jesus who should have been on that throne all along. But the flip side of that is that if inside of your heart you want to say, Jesus, you take the throne. Your way above my way. Your life above my life. Your will above my will. Jesus, now you are the only one who is truly worthy to be able to sit on the throne because you humbled yourself to the lowest of lows and now God has exalted you to the highest of highs. You are the king of my heart. You sit on the throne. Now, unfortunately, what that means for us is in our heart we get off of a throne and then we take up something that is a whole lot less comfy than a throne. We take up a cross. And that's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That's not an easy thing, guys. Because I need you to deny yourself. I need you to live like I'm actually on the throne. And I need you to understand that I need you to take up your cross. I need you to do what feels less comfortable. I need you to deny yourself. But in denying yourself temporarily on this earth, you will eventually come to a place where you experience truly what it is like. And one day, this very throne that you lived with inside of your heart while you were on earth, you will get to a place in my Father's kingdom where you will worship me alongside of that throne. And the cross that you carried on this world will fade into the background of your life as you stand in the foreground of heaven. And guys, that is what I believe took this Ethiopian eunuch to a place where he said what he said in this passage right here. Acts 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, why in the world, like, again, I don't know exactly what was all in the sermon, but here's one of the things I know for sure was in the sermon. Somehow, as Philip was beginning to explain the gospel to him, his gospel included baptism. 
It wasn't an option. It wasn't like, hey, you know, you follow Jesus. You put him, uh, you know, on the throne of your heart. You take up the cross. And then you just, you know, you go and you try to do right for a long time. No, Philip's gospel message included baptism. It wasn't an option. It wasn't when grandma and granddaddy get in town. It wasn't when you have Cracker Barrel reserved and you can go there after lunch. He said, look, I'm drawing a line in the sand, sir. And you will either be on this side of the gospel and get baptized today or you will reject this Jesus. There is no fence riding. There is no middle ground. You are either going to believe him as Lord or Savior. Hop off the throne of your heart. I know you're familiar with royalty. I know you're just balling out and buying scrolls and everything else. But here's the deal. You are nothing compared to the riches of his kingdom. Hop off your throne. Take up your cross. Get baptized and follow him. And that's why... This man goes, hey, there's some water. Let's make it happen. Which I'm praying by faith that maybe that would just be you today. Where you go, listen, there's been a line in the sand drawn today. Of either I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he's the Lord and Savior. And I want to follow after him. And I'm going to commit my life to him. And make that declaration known via baptism. I'm going to walk out of here and go, you know what? No. And like, you gotta, friends, you got to call it like it is. There's no such thing as being undecided on Jesus. There's no absentee, you know, like you, you can't just go, ah, I don't know. You vote. You cannot not vote. You have an opinion. You can't go, I'm going to wait till later to make up my mind. Your mind is made up. He's not it. Or he is. Verse 39 says, when they came to the water, the Spirit of the Lord, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appealed, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Friends, I don't know which character in this story you relate to the most. Maybe for you, you relate to Philip the most. And you've, you've, you've been baptized, you've given your heart to life. Maybe there's some lessons you can learn from Philip. Lessons you can learn about what does it merely mean to live a life that is dedicated to bringing other people into the gospel. Other people into a relationship with Jesus. And like, well, the crazy thing here is, we've been doing this whole series called Due to Unforeseen Circumstances. And one of the recurring things is we have seen Jesus meet people where they are. And those places where he has met them has been really not comfortable places. Places like a cross. Places like a shore where he hops off and this naked guy with blood and wound meets him as his welcome party. Jesus, over and over again, goes to the people we would most likely not go to and shares the gospel with them, meets them where they are. And just like Philip did, one of the things I think we can learn is Philip started with a question. You know, as all this racial stuff blew up and all this stuff's going on in our country and everything else, one of the things that I love about my wife, she's way more godly than I am, um, as it all was happening, again, for those of you who don't know or if you haven't met me yet, my wife is a, a white woman. Um, she, because she's built relationships with people of color in our congregation, and thank God we're a congregation that is not one race or another race. We are a diverse congregation. She says, I, I just, I don't know what to think now. And so she reaches out, and she makes a phone call and sends a text message and says, hey, I, I don't fully understand, but I want to understand. Help me know what it's like to be you. 
And, and, and again, I, I, she is my wife. She's you know, part, partly my hero a lot of times. But I think there's some things that we can learn in that. Like for all of us in this life, and I'm not just talking about a race thing here. I'm talking about like a humanity thing. Like you got a guy at work, and maybe he looks exactly like you. You guys drive the same truck. But here's the deal. You don't know what it's like to be in his home. And part of you cracking the door up to show Jesus him is you going, hey, man, I know what it's like in my house. What's it like in your house? I know the stress I have. What kind of stress do you got? See, because you know people's, you know, some facts about people. You know some formulas about people, but you don't know how they really feel. You don't know what it feels like to be them. Maybe if you're going to take a step towards really allowing Jesus to use you, you've got to take that place where you say, Jesus, like Philip, I'm going to be praying and expecting you to bring people into my path. And so I'm going to put the keys in the car, crank it, and I'm going to actually move towards you. And some of you today... You're much more like the Ethiopian. Maybe you know some things about God, but you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know that this guy, this Ethiopian, he didn't wake up and put on his royal garb and put rings on and put a nose ring in and do all the things that it, that type of, of person who in that royal place would have done. He would have done none of that this morning. He would have not got ready going, today is the day I'm going to get baptized. But once there was a line drawn in the sand... He knew what side he had to be on. And nothing, no excuse, no relative not being there, no lack of clothes to change into, none of that. In that unforeseen circumstance that God, through his Holy Spirit, created, he took the rest of the ride home in wet, royal clothing. And my prayer for you today is if you've never put your hope and your faith in Jesus, that you would understand that he went to the cross to answer that man's question. Is there someone else? Is this about someone else? And he went to the cross and went through what he went through so that we could be baptized and become someone else. There's this big misconception, lie, heresy, whatever you want to call it, from the pit of hell that Jesus died to make you a better version of yourself. That is false. That is a lie. That is from hell. The best version of you is still damned to go to hell for eternity. The best version of Trent Shoemake could preach amazing sermons and burn that's why Jesus came to make us new. Not a new version. Something totally different. Someone else. And I want to invite you today. If you are sick of trying to become someone else or make yourself into a successful version of you and all those other things, and you want to truly be the someone else that God, when he dreamt you up before you were born, if you want to become that someone else who is not just a better version of you, but it's Jesus living through you, then today I want you to accept what Jesus has done and go public with that faith in the first step in baptism. Now hear me. We have the water chlorine everything in there is ready for for you to be able to get baptized we in a little step ahead of philip and the ethiopian we actually have t-shirts in the back we have shorts in the back we actually have everything you need to be able to forgive you the chance to make this decision on the spot today and i know you're going like man like like what did what, my water like baptism like here's the deal guys though i'm just gonna be really honest with you like if you can't follow jesus in this little bitty first step of faith what makes you're gonna what makes you think you would follow him when he says i need you to adopt a child when he says, I, I need you to end this relationship. When he tells you, I need you to start time. What makes you think that you're going to be able to follow him through all those things that a Christian does if you can't follow him with the very simple first step of faith, which 
just get baptized. Become symbolically what I have done. Be buried to your old self and be raised up something new. Today I want to invite you into that. I'm going to put gloves on and sanitize and do everything I can with chlorine in the water that kills bacteria to make this as a COVID conscious of a baptism as absolutely possible. We already have some people scheduled and who are doing that today. But if God is stirring in your heart and as we draw that line in the sand, you know that you're on the wrong side. Today I implore you, take the step and be baptized. And don't wait. Tomorrow is not a promise. Let me pray for you. For those of you who are watching online, I invite you to take this step too. Here, here's the deal. You can still do this. I'm getting ready to baptize someone who said I'm uncomfortable with coming into a large group church gathering and being baptized. And so I'm showing up one-on-one this week in the church building and I'm baptizing them by themselves. It does not have to be in here with all these folks. It does not have to be live stream. It does not have to be any of that. But it has to happen for you to see the look on your father's face when you lock eyes with him in heaven. And I want you to see that. I want you to see that. Let me pray for you. Jesus, as you are stirring inside of people's hearts, I pray that you would move them to a place, God, where they repent, where they remember and realize, God, that that I have fallen short. I could never make myself the someone else I wanted to be. But Jesus, you are that someone else who took my place, who did what I could never do, who died the death that I deserved to give me the life that I did not deserve. And now I trade my life, my old self, in to you so that you can make me new. You are making all things new, Jesus. Make me new today. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow through with you, Jesus. your name. Amen. If you want to get baptized today and give your heart and your soul to him, I'm going to be back there at that table as we sing this song. I pray that you take a bold step, that first step in your faith. Meet me back there and make the best decision you could ever make in your life. Let's stand and sing.